heard a story once about a husband and a wife. Um, They'd been married for about 20 years, and throughout the years, several times a year, the wife would hear something downstairs, and she'd be filled with fear and with worry that there was somebody in the house. And despite her husband trying to assure her that there was nobody there, um, eventually he would have to get up and go downstairs and check to see if there's anybody downstairs. And time after time, year after year, he would go downstairs, check it out, come back upstairs, and tell her there's nobody down there, and they could both go to sleep. Well, one time, uh, they were in bed, and the wife was sure that she heard somebody downstairs, and so the husband, again, reluctantly got up, went downstairs to check it all out, and much to his surprise, when he entered the kitchen, there was a burglar in the house. And the man, in his shock, said to the burglar, could you come upstairs and meet my wife? She's been waiting 20 years for you. (laughs) Now, the, the point of this is that a thief can steal from you one time, but the thief of worry and fear can steal from you for year after year after year. If this thief never came, she still would have been robbed by worry and fear. There was a, uh, a French philosopher once, his name was Michel de Montaigne. Uh, he once said, my life has been filled with terrible misfortune, most of which never happened. <laughs> my life has been filled with terrible misfortune, most of which has never happened. Now, that's not to say that nothing bad ever happens, but the fact is that many people suffer much longer over things that never happen than things that do happen. In fact, there was a study done that found that uh, 85% of the things that we worry about never happen. 85% of the things that we worry about never happen. And of the 15% of the things that do happen, um, the response from the people who experience these things said that in, in 79% of the cases, so majority of, of the things that actually happened, they said that they were able to handle the difficulty much better than they thought they were going to be able, able to, or that the difficulty taught them things that were worth learning. So in conclusion, the study found that 97% of the things that we worry about are simply a result of our fearful mind punishing us with over-exaggerations and misconceptions. So today, as we continue our study through the book of Philippians, um, we're going to be reading Paul's encouragement and his instructions regarding anxiety and worry. We're in chapter 4, and as we've read before, verse 1 starts off with the words, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. Stay true to the Lord. And as uh, we have read and continue to read through this chapter, we get a a better understanding of what it means to stay true to the Lord. Um, We found that staying true to the Lord means that, therefore, we should settle our disagreements and be reconciled to one another. And that, therefore, we should always be full of joy. Um, We should be rejoicing in the Lord because in the Lord there's always a reason to rejoice. It also includes, therefore, be considered and gentle in all that you do. And today, we find out that, therefore, don't worry and instead pray. In fact, before we start, let's uh, pray that God will uh, penetrate our hearts and minds with these words. Dear Lord, we see that uh, 
that there is anxiety and there's fear and there's worry um, that's running rampant in this country. Um, many people uh, suffer with f- over things that will never happen. Um, and uh, Lord, we know that you are a good God, you are an able God, you are a mighty God. And we just ask that you would help us to take our eyes off of those things, off of those worries, that we would let go of those and that we would put our trust in you, that we would find peace in you, and that we would remember that not only are you great and mighty, but that you love us and you care for us and you desire to give us peace. And you are worthy of us putting our trust and our hope in. So we pray that these words uh, would speak to our hearts, Lord God, and that we would find, uh, find ways to apply them and that we would find your peace in our lives. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the, this last chapter of Philippians, I, I don't know, I'm not saying that the first three chapters didn't have a lot in there. Maybe I went through it too fast. I don't know. But I, I kind of flew through the first three chapters, and now I find myself in chapter four just like hitting these like nugget after nugget. And I don't think I realized how many of these verses that I've memorized as kind of um, individual verses are all squished together into this one chapter. And so um, the, the next couple verses that we're going to read are, are one of probably the most common that, that most of you or many of you have, have probably put to memory. Um, I remember pretty vividly the, the, the time that I chose to memorize these verses. I was, uh, I was probably about 22 years old and I was feeling pretty indestructible. And so I wasn't actually memorizing these verses for myself. Um, though as that year went on, I definitely needed to know these verses cause it got, it got a little bit stressful, but, but anyways, I was, um, I was working with this guy named Roy. He was my new, new boss and he was full of anxiety. Uh, things were just in chaos with his, his business and with his relationships. And so I, I remember before going to work, you know, reading in my Bible, trying to like read that verse over and over and over, memorizing it so that I could share that verse with him because I knew he needed some some peace. And so on the way to the job site, I recited the verse to him. Um, this is Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It said, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, it would be awesome to report that after I said those words, all of his worries disappeared and he hasn't worried again since. But the truth is, if I remember correctly, he gave me a little bit of an attaboy for my memorization. And I don't really remember that he changed the way that he approached life or his issues at all. Um, It turns out that verses in the Bible are not like magical spells, where if you say them in just the right order, you get what you want, and if you don't, you turn into a duck. Um, it's it's uh, the power, the power that we find in the Bible, the power in these verses comes through accepting the truth that's impregnated in those words. Holding on to a stake doesn't really nourish me. I have to receive it. I have to, I have to eat it. Um, when we uh, look at uh, the book of John and how it describes Jesus, it describes Jesus as the embodiment of the Word. And the Word uh, of God, um, 
is, well, I should say Jesus calls himself, who, who is the embodiment of the word of God, he calls himself the way, the truth, and the life. The way, the truth, and the life. So the verses in the Bible, the word, shows us the way to God. It shows us the truth about who God is, the truth about who we are, the truth about our sin, the truth about salvation. And it is trust and obedience in the way and the truth that brings us life. Um, there have been some people who have read the Bible from cover to cover, and they've refused to receive those words as the word of God. They've read the words, but they haven't received the power that's in those words. Uh, they've, they haven't made a choice to lay down their wisdom and replace it for God's wisdom. Um, they haven't put their trust in the way and the truth and the life. And because they haven't put their trust in it, because of their unbelief, they have not received any of the blessings or any of God's peace that he offers. Uh, the sad thing is, is that we as Christians are capable of doing the same thing. We can read the words of God, but not actually put our trust in it. Um, we can choose not to apply it. We can choose not to live out what it says. Uh, we can read it. We can even memorize it. But then we can be like Roy and not put our trust in it. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we read about patterning our lives after those who are mature Christians like Paul. And then uh, if we jump ahead, we see that Paul is actually kind of reminding us of the same thing. So if we go to Philippians 4, 9, it says, keep putting into practice all that you have learned and received. Keep putting into practice all you have learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then, then the God of peace will be with you. We can't just hear it. It's not just magic, you know. We have to receive it. We have to take it in. We have to put it, put it, allow it to work in our lives, right? If you are or have been experiencing anxiety or worry and you need relief, there is healing. God has peace for you, but Paul says we have to choose to put into practice. We have um, that we have to learn and receive. Um, I've been to the, have you, I don't know if you've had this experience where you've gone to the chiropractor or to a physical therapist and they give you packets of exercises you should do when you go home. Now, I've, I've gotten those and sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. Coincidentally, the times that they don't work tend to be the times they don't actually do what they say. <laughs> if, uh, if we're going to experience peace instead of worry, it may take a little time, it may take a little effort, it may take changing some habits so that we're not choosing to worry, um, we're, that we're, that we, but instead we choose to pray. We can't just read the instructions, we need to put them into practice. Um, all that we have learned everything that Paul is teaching, we have to put into practice, and then we will have peace. Then the God of peace will be with you. This isn't just peace because we're, um, we're making, doing some sort of mental you know, uh, exercises, but this is the peace of God that comes because we know that God is able, because we have faith in God, because we have a trust in God. The peace of God will be with you. So what are these instructions? Going back to the beginning of Philippians 4, 6, it starts with saying, be anxious for nothing. 
be anxious for nothing. Americans in general do a very poor job of being anxious for nothing. Um, there was a study done recently. I don't know how many countries there are in the world if this was all of the countries, but there was over 200 countries that they, that they studied and they ranked them all by um, what percent of their population was experiencing anxiety. And so in this list of countries, America ranked in the top 10%. We were in the top 10% of the most anxious countries. And inside of that 10%, 75% of those were all first world countries. So most of the most anxious countries are first world countries. What are we so worried about? Uh, the study showed that uh, the top things were money in the future, uh, job security, which seems very much tied to the first one, relationships and health. Money in the future, job security, relationships, and health. Now, if we look at the other end of this list of, of this hierarchy of, of who's the most anxious, on the bottom of the list, in the bottom 25%, you see countries like Kenya, Ethiopia, and Liberia. So these are the third world countries. They had less than half the amount of anxiety as what Americans have. Even though they're far worse off when it comes to money and job security and health, right? So what does that tell us? What does it, what does it mean when those who have way more serious issues than we have surrounding them have way less worry than we have? We have all these safety nets, you know, of, of, uh, of food and, and provision, housing, health care. Um, there's not really people starve. There's, there's, there's nobody starving in America, really. There's, there's, there's people who maybe have hungry, but there's systems out there that feed them. Our government, you know, provides all these different ways. I, um, there's so much of a safety net, you know, that we have in this country. So much wealth. We don't realize that, I mean, I think they said like the bottom, uh, I don't remember the statistic, but, but people are, are kind of at the poverty level in America are among the richest in the world. Um, it's, it's really incredible. Um, so uh, anyway, so I was trying to figure out why this might be, and I thought, you know, I'm going to ask my sister Peggy, because she, as many of you know, she's a missionary to Liberia, and so she has has had interactions with people and seen what, you know, whether their anxiety levels really seem lower or not. And so I asked her why this, this might be. And the first thing that came to her mind, and she said that this wasn't just for them, but also for her when she's in Liberia, she said that when you're there, you're much more aware of what you can and can't control. They're very aware of what they can and can't control. It seems to me that in America, because of our freedoms, because of our wealth, um, we feel like we should be able to find a way to avoid all suffering, um, any feelings of loss, any feelings of want. Um, and we put all this trust in our own resources and our own autonomy. And when our, uh, our money and our abilities and our authority or freedoms are not able to secure the needs or the expectations that we have, we find ourselves filled of, with worry and stress because we've taken ownership of our life. We've, we feel like we are in control of everything and we should be, we feel like we should be able to be in control of anything, everything, right? Like we, we should be able to handle it. We should be able to manage it and move things right and fix the problem on our own. And, and because we're dependent on us, we stress about it. 
We find that we want to be able to uh, invest everything just right for our retirements. And so we worry about whether or not we should leave our money in or pull our money out. Um, maybe we've experienced a sickness or maybe somebody in our family is sick and um, they're seeking doctors or medical attention and, and trying to figure out how they can fix the problem. But they're, they're fearful that maybe they won't be able to. Maybe they won't find the treatment that they need and they won't be able to be cured. Um, we see freedoms under attack. Our schools are teaching kids things that are immoral. Um, we worry about how we're going to protect them. We worry about how this shifting culture is going to affect the future of our country as a whole. The list could go on and on of things that are simply out of our control. But we refuse to give up control. And we refuse to put our trust in God as the only one who is capable of being in control of the universe. And the result is worry. But the word of God tells us, going back to verse 6, it says, be anxious for nothing. Do not worry, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. The New Living Translation replaces the word but with the word instead. So it says, um, stop worrying, instead pray. Stop worrying, instead pray. Pray, talk to God about it. And then he kind of, it defines what kind of prayer this is. There's different kinds of prayer, prayer of thanksgiving and prayer of intercession or uh, praying for healing. This is, um, a, this prayer of supplication is a heartfelt petition arising from a deep personal need. A heartfelt petition arising out of a deep personal need. And, um, and we have to recognize this need basically means that we have an insufficiency. We, we, we're not able. And so we have to be real with God and real with ourselves about the fact that we are lacking. And sometimes that can be hard. Sometimes that can be difficult. And it can feel kind of humbling to say that you can't do it on your own. Um, but if we can get to that point, if we can recognize that it really is out of our control and be willing to submit it to God... Um, when we do that, when we express to our loving Heavenly Father and we recognize our weakness, it frees us so that we can then depend on Him, so that we can put our trust in Him. When we're continuing to hold on to it uh, with our strength, we can't depend on His strength. We can't, we can, you can't do both at the same time. You're either depending on you or you're depending on Him. And so we have to recognize we're not able. When it... Uh, when we are coming to God in supplication, we are recognizing that we are not in control. And that is really the first step. And, and that's likely, I believe, I don't know for sure, but I, I think that's why the Liberians, uh, Liberians, not librarians, that's why the Liberians don't have as much anxiety as us. They don't pretend that they can orchestrate life down to the last detail. They experience on a regular basis that things are out of their control. We read in uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, it says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. The mighty hand of God, right? And he wants us to cast all of our cares on him. 
So if we humble ourselves, if we give up control, and by the way, this is giving up control that we never really had. So you're really not losing anything. Um, so when you give up control, and then the next part, it says, and I love this word, casting, casting all of our cares on him. Because um, we, could, we could just set them down for a little bit. If things are going good, you can kind of set down your cares, but then they're right there to pick right back up again. You know, he says, cast them, casting your cares on God. We're not, we're not going to turn back to him. We're trusting whatever things look like that we're going to trust that God has got this. So we cast our cares on him. There was a, a man named George and he was a, uh, a businessman and had been for many years um, in Pittsburgh. He worked 75 hours a week. He lived a busy and stress-filled lifestyle and uh, it finally caught up to him and he had a heart attack. And uh, after the heart attack, he met with the doctors and the doctors told him that if he doesn't change the way he's living, he's only got about a year to live. So George went home to rest and to recuperate and uh, this time he's taking the doctor's advice a little more seriously. In the past, they may have told him that he had high blood pressure, but he figured he would be fine. But now things have gotten more serious and he's, he's taking, taking time to consider what he needs to do in his life. And so one morning he goes out to his porch and he sits down with a pad of paper and he writes this letter, very simple letter that he wrote to God. Dear God, I hereby resign as general manager of the universe. <laughs> Signed, George. He uh, apparently, from the story, he said that, he, that when he goes and talks to friends about this, he says, uh, surprisingly, uh, God accepted his rec- resignation. So, <laughs> But uh, George was suffering from all of this anxiety, all of this worry for years after year, trying to control things that were out of his control. And in writing this letter, he wasn't just choosing not to worry. He was choosing to trust God saying, God, you be in control of this. I, 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 I give up. <laughs> you do it. You do it. I know you are able. Um, going back to Philippians 4, 6, and 7, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It does not say that if we pray, we'll, we can stop worrying. It says that if we stop worrying and pray, then we'll have peace. If we stop worrying and pray, and then we'll have peace. God's not looking for us to have a worried-filled prayer where we're praying to him in anxiety. This is a prayer of confidence. It's a prayer with thanksgiving. I mean, you can't pray a prayer of Um, where you're expressing your need, you can't pray that with thanksgiving if you're not trusting that God is going to provide those needs. I mean, when we have a need and we know that the answer's coming, we don't worry about it, right? We might not have it yet, but when we trust that the answer is coming and that the the provision is there, we can stop worrying about it. We're praying a prayer of confidence that is saying that we don't need to see the answer We're going to trust him anyways, no matter what the answer is. We don't need to see the answer. We'll trust him no matter what the answer is. Praying with your fingers crossed that God will make everything go just the way you want it to is not giving up control. It's not putting your trust in God. There was a time when I was uh, 
I was younger and I was driving my, my pickup truck through a woods and I had some friends that were actually riding in the box of the truck. And as we were driving, um, the trail in the woods was a little bit overgrown and I think we kind of ended up off the trail and there were, I, I was getting some feedback from some of the people in the back that they wanted me to go back and, and not continue forward. And uh, so they made their requests. Um, I kept going forward. There, there were those who were enjoying the ride and they trusted that I was not going to do anything that was going to get them hurt. Um, now, the people who made the request that I stop and do something different, they did not find any peace in simply making the request. <laughs> right? right? Only those who trusted that I was not going to do anything to hurt them enjoyed the ride. And so I'm not saying who was right or wrong in that situation. Um, let's just say I'm not God, and, and uh, sometimes my driving when I was younger was questionable. Um, well, I mean, I was driving through a woods in a two-wheel drive pickup truck. It wasn't a good choice. But um, to, to, uh, to experience peace that surpasses all understanding, peace that will guard your heart and mind from the weight and the aching and the sleeplessness that worry and anxiety can cause, we have to let go of control. We have to trust that even if we continue through the woods, even if, even if what we would like to see happen doesn't happen, um, that God has got us, that God is still in control, that God still has a plan, and that our future is secure in Him. We can then enjoy the ride. If you are anxious about money, if you're anxious about the future, if you're anxious about job security, um, and all those things are contingent on being rich and um, always having your job, never losing your job, um, you can't have continual peace because otherwise, if you have some financial issue that pops up, or if you even hear rumors that maybe your company is downsizing, all of a sudden you'll be picking up that worry again. If it's contingent on how things are going, that worry wasn't cast on the Lord. It was dependent upon um, getting what you wanted. And that's not what God is asking us to do here. Um, if you can resolve that even in hard times that God is still God and that you're going to rejoice and trust in him whether you have much or whether you have little, um, that is where the peace of God lies if you are anxious about relationships, you can't have peace if it's contingent upon every relationship going perfectly without any conflict. Because uh, even if you were perfect and you were never the cause of any issues in any relationships you've had, which I'm sure is true of all of you, but even if you were, you can't control the other person. Um, Jesus was perfect and he had relationship issues with people on earth. The Pharisees hated him and one of his closest friends betrayed him to his death. Peace is entrusting that all things will work together for good to those who love God and those who are called according to his purposes. Do we trust God? Do we trust that even when the relationship gets rocky, that God is still in control, that God still has our best in mind, that God still is, has a future that's secured in him? I... Uh, I have a relationship with a family, uh, a husband and wife that um, they've experienced a lot of kind of fractures and relationships with their kids over the last 
years, um, as their kids got older, and they, they were raised in a Christian home, the parents prayed for them, but as the, as the kids got older and got married, they distanced themselves from their parents. Um, the daughter did first when she first got married, and, and she's kind of opened up some, um, some avenues towards some reconciliation uh, recently, but there's still a little bit of a wall there, and their son now has gotten married, and he's blocked them off completely. Both of them um, were having children while they were having no relationship with their parents, and the, the parents couldn't go and see their grandchildren. And, and this is, I mean, obviously something that would uh, cause some heartache. And I asked them, I said, how do you, how do you cope with that? You know, how, how did you handle those sorts of situations uh, or with your kids? And, uh, and their, the mom said to me uh, that when she was younger, she had a picture in her mind of what life would look like. Am I, okay, was I cutting in and out? No? Okay. Um, but the, the mom said that she had a picture in her mind of what uh, life was, was going to look like. She was probably imagining ahead to her kids getting married and having kids and, and grandchildren coming to Christmas and all of these different things. And she had this picture of, of what life was going to look like. And um, she said that she's had to choose to accept that what God's plan is, whatever he requires to, to accomplish what he, his will is, it might not include that picture. It might not include that picture, but that doesn't mean that he's not still in control. And so she has to let go of control. Like she's, she has to accept that, that God is in control even when her picture is not what she's seeing in real life. And ask the worship team to come. When Jesus taught the disciples to pray, he said, pray, thy will be done. And then when he was praying in the garden, he prayed, not my will be done, but um, not my will, but yours be done. God is not going to ignore our prayer and supplication. Right? He asks us to make our request. He, he asks us to, to give him, give him our, our deep heartfelt needs and to, to lay them at his feet. Um, He wouldn't have told us to do that if he wasn't going to act on our behalf. But even if God's will is the same as ours, even if he wants the same outcome, that doesn't, even, that doesn't mean that he's going to use the same methods. It doesn't mean he's going to use the same time frame. And sometimes there is a different outcome. Sometimes, you know, we're not going to see what we want to see, that God has a different plan, and it's good. He's going to work it for good. But he promises that he will hear us. And I think that's, it's not, you can say promise he will hear us. This is promising, God promises that he will hear us, that God, that God will hear us. The, the God of the universe, the, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the, I mean, all powerful, almighty, there's, there's nothing that is impossible for him. God hears us. And when we take our needs out of our hands and put them in his hands, when we make these needs known to this all-powerful creator of the universe uh, who cares for us and who loves us, then we can have peace. Then we can have the peace of God. And that peace of God will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. 
How could you not have peace if you're truly trusting in that God, right? In that all-powerful God, in that God who loves you and is able. He loves you and he's able. How could we not have peace when we're trusting in that God? Philippians 4, 8 says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. It starts off saying, fix your thoughts on what is true. Uh, If you're following along in the uh, New King James Version, you might see the words that we're supposed to meditate on rather than fix your thoughts on. But the Greek word that's used here means to reason to a logical conclusion. To reason to a logical conclusion. It's like making a decision. Um, Essentially, it's, it's think on it until you adopt it as your own. Don't worry or think about things that you can't control, but instead, think on things that you know. Think on what, is, what you've concluded is true, what is honorable, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable. I, I thought it was kind of interesting that when you, on the flip side of this word fix and what that means, when you look at the Greek word um, anxious, the word anxious comes from two words. The, the first part means to tear or divide, and the second part means the mind. So to tear or divide the mind. Um, so on the one hand, you have coming to a conclusion, a decision. On the other hand, you have indecisiveness, right? We don't know, if we have anxiety, we don't know what to do. We don't know how to fix the problem. We don't know how to move forward. But he says, fix your mind. Don't, don't, don't be torn. Don't let your mind be torn. Instead, fix your thoughts on what is truth and decide or conclude to switch your focus from worry to what is excellent, what is worthy of praise. And then Paul, immediately following this, we're not going to read the verse, but uh, in the next verses, uh, he practices what he's preaching. If we move ahead just a couple verses, he begins praising God for the Philippians. Now, Paul at this time, of course, is, is in prison. And, and he's, he could be put to death. I mean, his life is, is kind of, you know, not in, his, is not in his control, right? But he's choosing not to think about whether or not he's going to live or die. That's out of his control. He's trusting God in that. Instead, he's going to think about the Philippians and, and the good that they're doing for them. And he's going to praise God for what is good in his life. So as we stand and we sing this last song, if there's any situations that you're holding on to that you know are really out of your control, that are causing you anxiety or worry, cast your cares on God. Cast them to God. Let let him know what they are. Tell him what they are. He wants wants you to, to express them to him, but express them in thanksgiving, knowing that he is well able to do above and beyond all you ask or think. That he is in control and praise him because he's worthy of all honor and praise and he cares for you.
He cares for you. Dear Lord, we know that there's a uh, spiritual aspect to this anxiety. It's, it's, not, uh, it's not just our own minds that we have to battle, Lord, but there's a spiritual battle as well. When we look at these uh, statistics, you know, and some of them are driven maybe by, by the culture we live in, but um, there's a battle. There's a spiritual battle in this country where the, the enemy is using uh, our wealth using what we have to try and cause anxiety, to try and cause stress by, by putting our, our trust in what we have rather than you, Lord. And I just pray that you would uh, you'd cause us to, to take these words that we know are truth and to lock them into our minds and into our hearts that we would decide that we trust in your word and that we would claim your word, that we would speak your word just as you spoke to Satan the words of God declaring what is right and what is true in defense and and the devil was was not able to to have control he was not able to take authority because you have authority Jesus took authority in the word of God and spoke it over the situation and we have the word of God we have the truth of God that has power over the lies of the enemy. And so, uh, Lord, let us lock in these truths. Let us lock in the truth that you are great and that you are mighty, the truth that you care for us, the truth that, that, uh, that there isn't, we can't trust in, in our wealth. We can't trust in money. It's fleeting, it's temporary, but we can trust in you because you are eternal and you are all sufficient. And we just thank you, Lord God. We put our hope and we put our trust in you. Amen. This uh, song about Lazarus, you know, when, uh, when Jesus showed up, they were upset or that, that Jesus didn't come sooner. They said, if he, if he would have came sooner, you know, he wouldn't have died. He wouldn't have died. They, their trust had a little bit of a, a limit to it. They knew that he could heal them. He, they didn't realize that they could trust him to raise him back to life. Uh, we have a God that can do the impossible. And we, he's worthy of us putting our trust in him. He's not going to fail us. Amen. One of my favorite verses um, is Jeremiah 17, verse 7 and 8. It says, Blessed are those who trust in the Lord, who have made the Lord their hope and confidence. And then right after they say this, right after blessed are those who put their trust in the Lord, who put their hope in the Lord, uh, they, they give a, there's a picture of peace in verse 8. And here's the picture of peace. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the waters. Such trees are not bothered by heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. God is able. We can... uh, we can either believe that God is all sufficient and put our trust in him, or we can put our trust in ourselves and we can experience worry. That's, that's our options. But when we don't believe in him, when our mind is divided, when we allow it to be torn, because we're on both sides of the fence, it's a foothold for anxiety. But blessed are those who put their trust in the Lord and have made their, the Lord their hope and their confidence. Amen? Amen. Go in the power of the Holy Spirit, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. 
for the glory of God.